Well, I want to turn in Scripture with you today. If you've got a Bible or a Bible app, would you open up to Matthew chapter 25? Matthew is in the New Testament. It's one of the Gospels of Jesus' life, ministry, and teaching. And in chapter 24 and 25, Jesus is unpacking what the end of the world is like. And his disciples are asking him these questions, and he's trying to explain and help them understand what his kingdom is like. We've been telling for eight weeks now these stories of Jesus. These are stories that Jesus told to illustrate what his kingdom is like. As Jesus' church, we are learning to be people under Jesus' authority and, and, and learning to be people of Jesus' kingdom. And these stories illustrate his kingdom and give us an opportunity to go, oh, where do I find myself in this story? And what might you be teaching me from this story, Jesus? And who, who are you calling me to become? And what next steps do you have for me to take, Jesus, out of this story? It takes, though, a level of curiosity and hunger. These stories aren't just plain. Like, you, you, you got to kind of dig a little bit and try to discern and find yourself in the story and, and hear, like, what God do you want to say to me? It takes a hungry heart. So my hope is that our hearts would be humble enough to say, I don't know what it looks like fully to live as a part of the kingdom, but Jesus, I want you to teach me. Show me today. That kind of heart, God always loves to work in. God always shows up in that kind of humility. And uh, the Holy Spirit's so good at illuminating Scripture, making it plain and real to you. And so my hope is that you would have that heart as we look at this last story. We've been doing this eight weeks. This is our last week in it. And I am so thankful uh, for this story today. I believe God's going to speak powerfully. Matthew chapter 25, this story uh, kicks off in verse 14. Jesus says, this is, this is what it'll be like at the end. He said, it'll be like a man that's going on a long journey, a master of a, of a house. He's going on a long journey, and so he calls his servants to himself, and he begins to entrust them with his property. To one, he gives five talents. Uh, to another servant, he gives two talents. And to a third servant, he gives one talent, each according to his ability. Then the master leaves, and the one with uh, five talents begins immediately to get to work and begin to invest these five talents, and he makes five talents more. The one with two talents does the same thing, gets right after it, uh, gets to work, and these two talents grow to become two more talents, so he has four now. The servant with one talent decides on a different strategy altogether. He's kind of afraid of the master, and so he takes uh, this one talent, digs a hole in the ground, buries it in the ground, covers it up, and, and he just sits on it until the master returns. The master was gone for a long time. But when he finally comes back, he, he calls his servants to himself to begin to settle his accounts. And the servant that he gave five talents to comes and he says, look, master, I, you gave me five and I've made five more, so here's ten talents. Here's your investment. Master says, well done, good and faithful servant. Uh, you were faithful with a little bit and now I'm going to entrust you with much more. Enter into your, your master's joy. The servant with two talents brings the two plus the two that he made, lays four talents before the master. Same response. Wow, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a little, and now I'm going to trust you with more. Enter into the joy of your master. The servant that had the one talent that buried it, he, he comes uh, to the master and he says, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, a hard man. You, you actually reaped where you didn't sow, and you gather where you didn't scatter seed. And so uh, I was afraid. 
and I went and put it in the ground, and so here is your one talent that you gave to me. Master responds much differently. He says, you wicked, slothful, lazy servant. If you knew that I was a hard man and I, I, I reaped where I didn't sow and gathered where I didn't scatter, like, how come you didn't at least go put it in the bank and earn some interest on this talent? He says, you know what, take, take what, what, what he has and give it to the guy with 10 talents. For the one that has, he'll, he'll be given even more, like an abundance. And the one that doesn't have even what little he has will be taken from him. In fact, take this servant, worthless servant, cast him into outer darkness where there's weeping and there's gnashing of teeth. This is the story from God's word today. As you hear this story, Jesus is painting a picture. He's painting a picture of this final moment of judgment when all mankind is going to stand before God. We're all going to give an account for these lives. Scripture teaches us that we'll give an account for every word that we've spoken. That we're all going to stand before this judgment seat one day. And Jesus himself is going to be our judge and we're going to give an account. And as this picture kind of plays out here, there's this clear understanding that actually the master has given us talents. He's given us this in this story. It's actually money. A talent is is about 20 years worth of wages. One talent is. He's he's entrusted his servants with, with large sums of life and ability and talents and money. He's he's entrusted us with these massive, amazing lives, and there is an expectation in the kingdom. I I want you to hear this. There is an expectation in the kingdom that we would take what we've been given and multiply it. If you want to know what the kingdom of heaven is like, Jesus tells this story and goes, this is what it's like. And there is this day that is coming, and, and I want you to be ready for this day. And so I want you to understand where you are in the scheme of eternity and what you've been given and what kind of life I, I want you to live and what this needs to look like. There is the servant that's afraid of the master, and I don't want you to get crossed up in this story and go, oh, man, God's maybe angry and out to get me. That's not at all like the way to interpret this story. But there is a clear sense of like expectation that you and I would understand what we've been given, the life we've been given, that we will be judged. And the question is, are we going to be faithful? He says to those couple of servants, you've been faithful with a little, and now I'm going to entrust you with much more. I love that picture as well, that there is this sense of like kind of testing that we are in. What kind of character do we have? What kind of faithfulness do we have? And that there is even even greater things ahead in the next life and in, in eternity that God has in store for us. But he wants to refine us and shape us in this life and, and really test our faithfulness right here and now. You hear this story. I know that it brings a lot out for each of us. So I, I want to just give us a moment to just pray and ask the Lord to speak, clarify, help us hear what he wants us to hear. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we come to this story thankful, Lord. Uh, it's been an amazing eight weeks, God, as you've been speaking so much and shaping so much in each of our hearts, God. And I know that you have every person here on purpose today that you want here. And God, I I believe that you're going to speak powerfully uh, through your word, that you're going to make your word come alive to each of us, Lord. And so we just soften our hearts. 
we just kind of take a breath and just humble ourselves before you and just say, Lord, speak, show me. Shape what you want to shape. Correct what you want to correct. Rebuke what you want to rebuke, God. Encourage what you want to encourage, God. And we're just trusting you to be here powerfully with us, and we, we just love you so much. In Jesus' name, can you say amen this morning? Amen. You guys okay? I know, this story is like, uh, okay. But when I read it, I, I think about um, not only kind of becoming a faithful man myself, but I also think about those that have been faithful in my life. I was thinking about my dad, and um, one of our traditions growing up was um, not one I ever would ever pick, but uh, I, I appreciate it now. We, we lived in a house that had uh, two wood stoves, no furnace at all. And so if you're living in kind of the Seattle wet area like we did, uh, you have to heat your house with this firewood. And the firewood doesn't just come magically appear at your house. You have to go get it. And um, that was my life. Go get firewood forever and ever and ever. And we would spend all summer long storing up firewood like squirrels do in our backyard right now, you know, and, and we would stack it cord after cord. I think it took like nine or ten cords to heat our house for the winter. And uh, we'd often spend all weekend long gathering massive piles of wood, and it would need to be split and stacked all week long. Well, guess what? My dad got to go to work and do all that stuff, and uh, this guy had to come home from school every day, do his homework, and then get to work. And one of the things I loved so much about this now, I didn't then, but now, um, was just the investment that was being made in me week in and week out. The opportunity for me to learn, like, hey, when, when you finish, you, you start something, you finish it. And the job's, this is his famous line, the job's not done, you're not done until the job's done. That's how he would always say it. Let me know when you're done. And I would be like, I'm done. You're not done because the job's not done. No, I'm really done. No, you're not done until the job's done. And it was kind of this repeated way for me to learn so much. Detail orientation for me to learn follow-through, for me to learn character, perseverance, all these things that I, that I got to learn, these lessons through this way of growing up. As little as I might have enjoyed it then, I'm so thankful now for my dad's investment in me through that pile of wood. I think about even the life that, my family is in now, what my girls are experiencing, what um, so much of what God is doing in my life, and I, I can't help but just be thankful. Like, I, I feel honestly like I am standing on his shoulders in so many ways of the kind of character and, and, and the kind of grit and determination that my dad instilled me. I'm totally on. So much of that is because of his faithfulness to invest in this guy. I think about each of us in our stories and go, man, I bet you have people in your life that you could point to and go, oh, yeah, I'm standing on their shoulders. I am, I, am, I am experiencing joy and success and life because of them. And maybe they were hard lessons. Maybe they're not lessons you would ever pick. But there's probably people that you could point to in your mind right now that have been an important part of your story, that you have, you've actually reaped massive benefit. You've actually reaped harvest that you never sowed. They sowed, and they put it in the ground, and now you're experiencing the joy of the harvest because of their hard work, because of their perseverance, because of their praying for you, because of their, their experience and their wisdom and all that they invested to help you become who you are. And I think that that's part of the... The picture here that Jesus wants us to get in this story, that there are 
opportunity in this life to recognize what you have been entrusted with and to look at, at all the people around you and go, wow, oh, I have a chance to, to set them up to become who God made them to be. I have an opportunity to, to not just squander what I've been given, but to actually multiply what I've been given in the lives of people around me. Here's what I want you to think about. This is a money, money story, but the kingdom's currency is human hearts. It's people. And so when you're thinking about currency and, and, and the exchange and all of this faithfulness, I want you to think about people in your life people that have gone before you and people that are coming after you and people that are looking to you to go, man, you've got wisdom, you've got experience, you've got gifts, you've got finance, you've got opportunity. Like, like, what if you and I understood the amazing gift that we have been given in the talents that our master has entrusted to us? What kind of lives would we live? I think that some of the problem is our, is our mindset. I don't know when you hear this story, if you do what I do sometimes, I go, man, I feel a lot like the one talent guy. I don't know if I got much from the master. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't get this. I, you know, you start making a list of what you didn't get. And then you compare yourself to other people and you look at what they got. I, I can't imagine these, all these servants standing around and five talent guy walks up. Oh, there he, here he comes, five talent guy, right? And there's two talent guy and I'm just one talent guy. We do this. Our mindset is often this. We think of ourselves as the least, like the most ungifted, the most unqualified, the most kind of like uh, unset up for success. Well, Richie, if you knew my parents and you knew my story, there's nothing to be thankful for in any of that. You know, like there's this easy way for us to have a mindset that's very minimal and very broken when it comes to what we have been given. And I think that this needs to change. Our mindset actually needs to be more like the five-talent guy. Like, you actually might actually be a five-talent person, and you just have no idea because you've been thinking like a one-talent person your entire life. You've actually been given the gift of God's grace and his spirit in your life. You've been given the spirit of God. Anybody that's put their faith in Jesus Christ has been given the deposit of God's spirit inside you. This is the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. And many of us are drudging our way through this life like we got nothing going for us. And God's like, oh, I've entrusted you with so much. I've been given you relationships. I've given you gifts. I've given you abilities. I've given you people. I've given you so much. And our mindset is so small and skewed so often. What if you walked around like the five-talent guy? You'd be like, my master loves me. He trusts me. He, he, he sees potential in me. Like, think about the difference in your mindset when you're like, I'm, I'm that five-talent guy. I'm the one that the master really believed, according to my ability, he could trust me with all of this life, these finances, these people, these connections, all of this. I'm that guy. Like you're afraid of being arrogant, maybe. But I think that there's a confidence that God wants you to have in your heart, in your mindset, around how God sees you. He loves you. You are his child. He, he wants you to become all that he intended you to be. And for you and I to minimize that is not humble. That is self-deprecating. That is actually minimizing the goodness of God in your life. Stop it. God loves you. And he has given you so, so much. It's a trap of the enemy to, to get you afraid of the master. Oh, he doesn't love me. I got to just go hide my talent, put it in the ground. 
to get you maybe feeling cheated by the master. Well, he didn't give me what he gave the two talent, the five talent guy. It's a trap of the enemy to get you sidelined in this life. Your mindset has to be pure. And, and, and really what I would say, I, I want our mindsets to be like what, what God sees of us and how he thinks of us and not, not the story we've told ourselves or what other people have said about us. Like for us to look at scripture with a clear lens that God sees you the way he sees you with the value and the, the immense opportunity that your life is, your mindset has to match the masters if you're going to succeed in this life. Amen? He entrusted you. He, he saw you worthy of being entrusted with his property. Live like it. Have that mindset. Man, when you do, man, I think gratitude just comes out of that place. Oh, God, thank you. Thank you for, for the opportunity to live this life, to invest in these people, to give these money, to, to serve in this way. Like, your life becomes way more free when you're not worried about how many talents you have or don't have, when you're begrudging what you've been given, when you're actually grateful about what God has given and put in your life. You are free, and, and you're a lot more fun to be around. I know that is true for my life. It, man, when, when we're grateful, there is just unlocking worship in our heart put our hands in the air. We're celebrating God's goodness in our lives. When we're, when we're grateful, we have this sense of hard work ethic that comes out of our lives. Like, he's trusted me. Let's go, right? Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give everything. There's, there's even a higher expectation on yourself that you put when you're grateful. You're like, man, he trusts me. I'm so thankful that he trusts me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show this master how faithful I can be with this life. It's weird how the enemy grabs us and tricks us into thinking we're not worth anything and you're barely a one talent, you're a half talent person, right? And, like, and it just minimizes everything in our life and our mindset has to grow to match the way the master sees us in this story. The other thing that I think is really important is our view of the master. Not only your mindset and your kind of view of yourself, but also your view of the master. The one talent guy was terrified of him. He was afraid. And so he knew judgment was coming, judgment day, right? Like, oh, I don't want to hear about judgment day. I'd like to just plug my ears and pretend like this life is just it and we're fine and things are going to be good. But there is a day coming. And it's easy for that, that reality to kind of get a fear in us. But the goodness of our God, the grace of our God, the love of our God needs to inform our view of God. When we look at the cross of, of Jesus Christ, we get a picture of how much our God loves us. And for you and I to operate from that, love is way more compelling than us to operate in a place of fear and cowering under, oh no, I don't want to mess up this life. In fact, I've probably already messed up too much. Some of us, all we can see is our mistakes. All we can see is the broken moments in our lives. I mean, just, just in my own story, I can, I, can, I can look at yesterday and I can go, ugh. So many meltdown moments and so many broken things in my story and in your story as well that, that would get us to go, God, he must not, he must have lost patience with this one talent guy a long time ago. And that view of God gets us cowering. Being afraid of God is not the heart of this story at all. 
I think the fear of God is a totally different thing. Being afraid of God is, is a negative thing. The fear of the Lord, the Bible says, is the beginning of wisdom. And the fear of the Lord is us understanding how good and gracious and amazing our God is and wanting to live a life that says, man, God, I, I want everything about this life to please you, to honor you, to, to, to uh, God, revere who you are and how amazing and loving and good and gracious you are. That is a place of wisdom. That gets us praying differently. Not cowering in shame and condemnation, but, but really in a place of dependence. When I think of the fear of the Lord, it's me going, God, you are holy and I am not. When you are so good and I am not. And, and it's so cool about the kingdom of God. Is that the only way to get into the kingdom of God is through the king who gave himself for you. And the only way to continue in the kingdom is to live in the empowerment of the king who saved you in the first place. And so for you and I to come into the kingdom with this heart that says, oh God, I am so thankful that you would allow me to be a part of this thing that you've entrusted, this life, these finances, all this to me, God. Now, God, I am desperate for you to give me the power to live as a part of your kingdom. It should stir a desperation in your heart. That's the fear of the Lord. Oh, I need you. God, I need you. I need your power. I need your grace. I need your love. See, when you view God accurately, you have, a, you have a humility, yes, about you, but a desperation about you to be a faithful servant. God, you're, you're giving me all these gifts. Thank you. Now, you got to teach me how to live faithfully with all that you have given me. See, I think that's what unifies us as a people. We're not measuring each other's talents. We're all in this same boat together. No matter how many or how few talents we have, we're all in the same desperate spot to have the king empower us to live as a part of his kingdom. It should elicit a desperation in your soul, a prayer. Oh, God, I need you. The last thing that I think is so, so powerful about this story is the invitation of it. Are you going to be a faithful servant or not? And I, I love the principle of the kingdom. It's, it's, it's just generosity. It's, Jesus says to his disciples, freely you've received, so freely give. Paul writes about Jesus' words when he says, you know, it is actually better to give than to receive. You and I live in a weird culture where, where everybody's afraid of losing everything. But the kingdom is completely the opposite. Jesus said, well, actually, if you're going to try to hang on to life, you're going to lose it. It's going to slip through your fingers. If you're going to try to be stingy with what you have, it's actually going to evaporate in front of you. But if you would lose your life for my sake, that you're actually going to find it. It's so counterintuitive. But this is the principle of the kingdom displayed in this story. Would you, would you be someone that recognizes freely I have received this, this entrusted amount from the master, its finances, its relationship, it's, it's, it's so much, it's gifts, abilities, and so freely I am going to give. And I'm not going to stress if I got enough when this life is over. I'm not going to stress if, if, if the, the bank account is where it needs to. I'm not going to stress. I am going to just give this life, spend this life on behalf of my master who's entrusted me with so much. And man, when the results come, as the fruit is born, as the things start to multiply in this life, God, I'm just gonna give you glory for all that you are doing through me. But man, it takes a generous heart. 
heart that says, I'm not going to just try to get. I'm going to learn to give. There are people in your life that need to stand on your shoulders. And you've been living for you. They're trying to claw their way into your life and you're keeping them down. I just hear an invitation from the Spirit in this story to go, no, 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 no. What if we became a people that just, just gave these lives so other people can experience the love of Jesus? Gave these dollars, gave this time, gave this energy. Like that we actually become known for our generosity, not for what we're taking or getting, but for what we're giving. I mean, even if you just identified one person in your life, parents in the room, it's easy. Some of you got a house full of them. But you can identify maybe just one person at work, an extended family member, that just needs you to begin to multiply what God has put in you, the entrusted thing that he has given you in somebody else. Multiplying is the principle of the kingdom. Multiplying is expected in the kingdom. And that you and I would just be intentional about that. I think that's the invitation here. That we would live a life of not getting more and more self-centered and what's in it for me. It's tempting. Some of, some of us have lived very sacrificial lives early on. And then we're like, now it's my time. And I think that's the opposite of the kingdom. It's a trap of the enemy. Just to go, oh, okay. The resources, the wisdom and experiences that God has given me. All of these things are gifts for the next generation. So God, how do you get them through me to them? Discipleship is just simply this. That you would see somebody with God-given potential the way God sees them and that you would recognize that God is at work in their life and you're trying to figure out how you can be a part of it. Oh, they need wisdom on that. Whew, I got a little bit. I'll give them that. They need a ride over there. Yeah, let's do it. They're excited about that. Let me encourage that. This is discipleship. You may not have all the answers. You may not know the scripture inside and out, but you can bring somebody as far as you've come. You've experienced God up to the point of baptism. You got baptized. Like, you, you could fill this tank 100 times over helping people take that first step in their relationship with Jesus. You could always bring somebody as far as you've come. This is the essence of multiplying. It's just going, God, this life, it's yours. Who do you have? Where do you want me to invest? God, what steps are you calling me to take, them to take? How can I help, God? I'm in. This kind of generosity is the aroma of the kingdom. This is what exudes from Jesus' people. This is how we smell. <laughs> Generous. Gracious. Loving. I see this story. I just... I get excited thinking this is the last one that we're going to study together in this series. And let's go thank you, God, for helping us to end right here.
You know, we've got a lot of things happening in all of our lives, a lot happening in our world. But man, when you cut through all of it, the kingdom is the only thing that endures for all of eternity. You and I have an opportunity to be a part of something supernatural, special, not just man-made, God-led, spirit-led, transformational, city-changing, life-changing, marriage healing, addiction breaking, supernatural work of God. God, forgive us for exchanging such temporary things for such eternal things. God, forgive us. And at the same time, God, we need you. We are desperate, God, for you to do a work in our hearts that leads us to a place of sacrifice and generosity and investment in the next generation, God. Give us one, just one person, God, that we can pour our life into, our wisdom, our experience, our finance, opportunity, God. Just give us one. Faithfulness, well done, good and faithful servant. I think those are the words that we want to hear. Faithfulness is a long road. Don't get short-sighted. But here's what's amazing about faithfulness. Is you don't get there trying to make it all happen at once. Just take one step at a time today. Be faithful with one opportunity today. There's one step God's speaking to each of us about. And I want to call you to take it. That's what we're doing here. So we're equipping us to be Jesus' people. So I want you to think for a moment, what is my next step? Maybe you just need to close your eyes and just ask about that. What is it? For, for those of us that haven't begun, it's baptism. That is your first step in being a part of the kingdom. For those of us, it's our view of God. It got skewed. We've been afraid of the master or twisted somehow by our upbringing or by what we wished we had. Gratitude has leaked out of our hearts and we're just kind of hard-hearted and mean. Others of us, maybe it's just one person God's got on your heart right now. Would you stand to your feet? I'd love to pray with you. If you're at a spot today where you know your next step is to be baptized, our team would love to meet you in the back. We've got shirts, shorts, towels, all of that to take that step today. Do not delay. That is God's call on your life. We would love to celebrate with you here at the end of this service. Let me pray for us, Lord. We just honor you now. We thank you for this story. We thank you, God, for the opportunity to be a part of your kingdom, that your grace allows us, God, to come just as we are and to be entrusted, God, with your kingdom, with your property. And God, I pray that every heart here would just be tuned, God, to, to the step that you're calling us to take. Repentant of our slothful moments, God, but also grateful for your grace to get up and get going again today that we could become who you've called us to be, that the next generation could experience all that you've 
designed them for, God, because of what you're doing in us today, Lord. Make us a people of your kingdom, a people of generosity, a people of grace, love, encouragement, God, that we would understand that freely we have received, so freely we give, God. We honor you, God. We thank you, Jesus, so much for your